Welcome to Dropping In, a podcast of storytelling and interviews with your host, Winter Olympian Mercedes Nickel. Thank you so much for dropping in on a series nine. Now, this is a series where I've reached out to my past guests. They are all mostly athletes to find out uh, if their parents wanted to be on my show. And now in the first episode of this series uh, with Julie Smith, I did say that I would have my parents on the show. They didn't know it until um, a couple of days ago. So I'm excited to introduce this next guest on episode 78 of Dropping In. This guest is my father. Growing up in England, he partook in a plethora of sports from a young age, playing golf, cricket, tennis, squash, and water skiing in the summers. He ran the first water skiing school in Spain. At 18, he was a reserve on the British water skiing team for the for the European Championships and was on the British sailing team when he was younger. Now, he would head to Switzerland with his mother and his sister to ski in the winters. Skiing led him to a path of qualifying for the British Olympic team in 1964 in Innsbruck. Innsbruck. Unfortunately, breaking his leg, the winter games were no longer a possibility. He is a father of three children, Tara, my half-sister, Philip, my brother, and me. Arriving in Canada, he worked for 23 years in the commercial real estate industry, specializing in development of shopping centers, office buildings, and industrial parks. He retired in 1995, and we moved. he moved our family to Whistler full-time, where he built houses. This father-brother-husband-skier-golfer-stylish-dresser is someone I'm lucky enough to call my dad. Let's drop in with John Nickel. Hi, Dad. <laughs> Hi, how are you? <laughs> Good. I feel like this is going to be really exciting for me and everyone else. Thank you for dropping in today. How are you doing? I'm extremely well. Okay, Not some people apprehensive about the ten questions. <laughs> so um, it might seem weird to listeners and viewers that we're not in the same room, but we will get to that in the rapid fire. The ten questions, which are never rapid. Are you ready to drop in, Dad? I'm ready. Okay. Number one, where in the world are you today? I'm in San Miguel de Allende in Mexico. Number two, what drew you to the mountains? Um, my family drew me to the mountains in 1946, which was my first year of skiing in Grindelwald in Switzerland. Was that Granny and Graham? That was, uh, gra yeah, that was Granny and Gran. And my grandmother was there too. Oh, wild. Okay. I feel like I'm going to like this is a history lesson for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Number three. Okay. I've done all these questions for the past people, so I'm just going to keep them the same even though you're my dad. So this is going to – so everyone else gets to know. Number three. When your kids were younger, what was offered to them after school? Certainly wasn't homework. <laughs> I feel like we did homework. <laughs> I'm sure you did. Um, I can't well, I mean, what was offered to you? Yeah, like we did, we did sports. Like, yeah. I don't know. We, I feel like we did every sport that we possibly could if we wanted to. 
That's right. We we wanted you to have access to whatever sports uh, were out there. Yeah. Uh, some which you might have enjoyed, and some which you didn't enjoy. What didn't I enjoy? Ballet. Probably ballet. <laughs> and then your brother couldn't couldn't do sports because he was sort of only had hearing in one ear so he couldn't do hockey or soccer or rugger or those things because he didn't know where people were when he was in front of them oh, because he's deaf so my brother yes. was born with um his he's deaf in his left ear which yeah. our whole family forgets when we sit at a dinner table um <laughs> so we have to strategically like sit at dinner tables and we forget that he's deaf in his left ear i didn't put that into account that he uh yeah. Wouldn't be able to play sports like that. Yeah, because if he heard someone shouting from behind him, he didn't know which side they were on. Right. Left or right. Right. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Uh, number four, you and I read books similarly, so I, I don't think you have read a book in a while um, because we really just dive right in and no one else can talk to us. But number four, what was the last book that you read? Gosh, I actually read a book a couple of weeks ago. Oh, really? Remember, I, yeah, but I can't Anything. remember the name of it. I sat down. <laughs> I know, I'm the same. I'm the same. I, I, I sat down and, and sat in the corner and read uh, 400 pages in however many hours it took. <laughs> because I, I get totally antisocial when I read. I want to finish the book. I know. Do you get trapped in the world of the book? Absolutely. Yeah. But, but but if I put it down, I kind of lose the theme. So it's much yeah. easier just to read the whole thing. <laughs> I wonder if other people do that. If, if if listeners and viewers also do that, like please write some comments and let us know because that's it's, that's how we both read books. It's, it's incredibly antisocial. Yeah, it's not. But, it's not but, pretty. But it's the only way I can do it. That's true. Okay, um, number five. What school? Okay. Oh, sorry. <laughs> this is this, we kind of already touched on this. Was school a big part of your kids' life, or was there time off for sports? Of my children. Yeah. Of you. Actually. Yeah. I think you all got involved as much as you could in sports, and that might well have, from time to time, meant you missed class, which I'm sure upset you dramatically. But Philip, maybe not quite as much. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I don't think I was allowed to miss that much school. Like a lot of people think that living in Whistler, a lot of parents do do this. They do like a 20 centimeter rule day, but you guys never let me do that. But I, I was a weird kid, I think. Yeah. But your schooling was somewhat different. I mean, you did, you did it in fits and spurts as you travel around the world. And yeah. Luckily you were able to, uh, they had a program where you were able to uh, focus on school for a few days and then disappear for a few weeks. Yeah. So, so when I was in high school, I was kind of in the skier program and we had a quarter system in the middle two quarters, we would take math independently, just one course independently. So we could travel. Cause I was already on, I was on the development team and then the national team during high school. I think if I remember correctly. Oh. Um, it was a long time ago. And, uh, and in that, uh, yeah, I was only away for competitions and training and stuff like that, but not, not didn't get those 20 centimeter days to each their own, to each family, their own. 
<clears throat> luckily, when I was at school, yeah, the headmaster insisted that I uh, missed classes and went and did things like ski in the British Water Ski Championships and stay in Switzerland past the holidays to ski in certain races. And they were you were okay with that? I was fine with it. <laughs> did you Schol- pass school? Scholastically, it didn't, it didn't did, help terribly well. It didn't mean out of pants. Did you wait? You graduated though, <laughs> so right? Well. <laughs> I, I achieved my goals, which were very low. <laughs> okay, so we're mine. <laughs> Graduate with art. Okay, um, number six. This is a. Oh, I feel like I feel like I'm just throwing myself under the bus, and you're gonna. It is what it is. Okay, number six. Would you be at your all your kids' sporting events when they were younger? Uh, whenever I could. I would be there. Yeah. But I did travel rather a lot in business. Mm-hmm. So but think about when you came on my snowboard trips and I didn't want you there. Oh, oh, well, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I, I, that's correct. I mean, I used to drive you to these things and you wouldn't even let me watch you compete. And I, don't I, can, know I can remember one where I went and dug myself in under a tree in a snowbank. It took know. me five minutes to get out. Just like so what you do. I think it was a giant solemn or something. Yeah, because, it was a race. I think it was at like Big White or Silver Yes, Star. it was Big White. It was Big White. Yes, and you wouldn't let me. No, you wouldn't let me watch it. Uh, but but I, had my, I had my ways of doing it. Oh, to be a teenager and have all those new hormones. So fun. So fun. Dad, get away from me. I don't want you anywhere near me. But, right. but then we have to talk about when I did invite you to X Games. Yes. That, that was, was pretty cool. That was that was so cool. I was so like really, wonderful. I was really happy to have you there. And it was so exciting for me to be able to watch you there. It was just wonderful. Oh, and then we and then there's like just a couple. You came to three of my four Olympics as well. I did. Yeah. And that was, I mean, the, the first one was just uh, uh, absolutely incredible. Uh, your mother was uh, uh, unable to watch; she closed her eyes. Yeah. Um, I think the second, the, the 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 second one at Vancouver was quite extraordinary. That was yeah. one of the most, probably the most extraordinary day of my life watching you compete there. It was <laughs> Don't you make me cry? <laughs> it was a, no, you're making me cry thinking about it. It was just, it was just over the top. No. Unfortunately, we didn't go to Russia for various reasons, and we would have. That was it. my call. I actually we, didn't want you to come because. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if we remember back to Russia, it was like 2013 leading up to the 2014 games and they were talking about like bombing around the area. So I was like, I don't want to have to worry about my parents being yeah. at these Olympics when I need to focus. Um, and so I was like, please don't come. Yeah. Well, we Thank- would have loved to have been there, but we checked out the accommodation and everything. It just didn't it, – it didn't come together. But anyway, yeah, we, we got to go to – Korea. And then I made, then I forced you to come to Korea. <laughs> and what's your amazing comeback? Uh, thank you. Okay. Um, number seven. Again, these are never rapid. How active is your lifestyle? Let the people know, Dad. <laughs> you well, golf. You golf like three I, times a week. I know. I, I, pl- I, play, I play a lot of golf, and I used to do a lot of skiing till last year. I did 76 years or whatever years of skiing. Yeah. And now I kind of rather like the sun. And so I play as much golf as I can. And, and just have to side note that you carry your bag the whole time, pretty much. Yes, I do. Yeah, I do. 78 years.
years old and he's carrying his bag. I had a lovely trip to England last year. In fact, I'm going again this year. Mm. Where I played uh, 19 rounds in 21 days. <laughs> Not bad, really. That's just, and you carried all but two rounds. Oh, yeah, all but two. But I, I, I did play 36 holes twice and carried my bag at that time. Yeah. I just want um, all the go young golfers out there to know that my dad carries and you guys probably don't. So get on it. I'm so old. I don't understand this cart thing. Yeah. <laughs> a, a lot of my friends who I play with who are a third of my age, they, they have to go on a cart. Should thing. we call them all out? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, we could call them all out. I, no. could, na I could name them. Uh, but, but I won't do that because I think uh, they might never play with me again. Too funny. Too funny. Okay. Um, number eight. How do you motivate yourselves on days that you might be lacking motivation to get outside and be active? Gosh. Like you do walk a lot down in San Miguel. Like I what do. if you just were like, I don't really want to go into town I, and go I, on a walk? Oh, I, I might go and lie by the pool or something. Then you could have a swim. You so just I change it up a, a little? Swim. I just change it up. But yeah. most days I'll go and walk five to, you know, five, minimum five miles. Yeah. That's what's cool about down there in San Miguel. It's like you walk everywhere. It's, it's, it's oh, yeah. awesome. Yeah. And I mean, you kind of do it without noticing it. <laughs> that's true. That's and true. And you go to the bank and that's, you know, a couple of miles one way or the other. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Coffee some. Um, okay. Number nine. This is a very serious question, Dad. Yeah. What makes you smile? You do. Uh, <laughs> uh, I have I have quite a good sense of humor and tend to hang out with people that have senses of humor, this or they true. probably wouldn't speak to me for long. So I I I do laugh at them, but I probably laugh at myself <laughs> more than I laugh at anyone else put together. I love it. Okay, number ten. This is the last one. Did you know about your kids' passions from a young age? Wow. Well, I don't know what you call a young age, but it mm. was quite obvious uh, that you at a young age had a great passion for ice skating. Right. Um, and then you had a, an incredible passion for um uh, not necessary for skiing, but you had an unbelievable passion for snowboarding. And I don't know if you call that a young age, but... Um, I don't know, what was I, like 13, 14? Yeah. That's pretty young. And your brother had a great passion for skiing, which... Was still does. And still does, that's right. Just so for the listeners and the viewers, my brother goes up, like he one year did every day on the hill. Yes. That was yes. one of his goals. Um, we're not stubborn at all in the Nickel family. <laughs> no, not, no, no, absolutely not. <laughs> oh my God. Dad, thank you. That was the rapid fire. You made it through. Wow. Thank I you. I didn't even ask you about socks and sandals, but let's just get your gauge. Leave that. that, leave that to uh, your mother. My mom. Okay. <laughs> your mother. Yes. Okay. Okay. Um, let's, let's get into it. What? How so? People always ask me, "What did your parents do to get you to be like a four-time Olympian?" Um, do you want to kind of share, like, some insight onto what what you guys did? Well, I think we we 
we gave you access to a number of sports mm -hmm. and um, which, which was sort of what my parents did for me because I think mm -hmm. sports are very important and very yeah. good for one. Uh, in your instance, you, um, we all skied and you decided to go in a different direction. No, and don't don't say that. I did grow up skiing. No, you did. Grow, oh, absolutely. I'm not. You did. <laughs> I, no, I, no. I'm just saying. But at a point in time, you went and tried uh, uh, boarding, and yeah. you fell in love with it, and yeah. you took that to um, great extremes all by yourself, and right. uh, got focused on it, and we're we're in the sort of embryonic stage of a sport, getting it to grow, you know, and. Um, had nothing really to do with us. You just got focused and off you went and uh, <laughs> left nothing in your way. And it was uh, a wonderful thing to uh, uh, watch and uh, sort of be part of in the sidelines. Thanks. But you, you, you were uh, quite extraordinary. <laughs> quite so, so dedicated. Yeah. Yeah. It, it it is funny when when parents ask me they're like what did your parents do I was like I don't know I think I'm really self motivated I just like kind of set these goals and go for it and and I wouldn't say that I had like aspirations and dreams to go to the Olympics because we never really we never talked about the Olympics did we No, no it was. We didn't. Like I like I remember going to my first Olympics and then like you know how they create stories and it's like oh well your dad was supposed to go to the Olympics and I was like oh I guess he was supposed to go to the Olympics yeah, yeah. and then you were saying that Graham my or grandfather who I didn't know was supposed to go to the Olympics as well yes he was meant to go uh, he was the top bobsledder in the world and uh, he was meant to go to the Olympics. Um, and uh, he, he, he went on a honeymoon instead. But in those days, I mean, the honeymoon was like three months. It wasn't kind of a week here. Right, because this is back in the day. Back in the day. Totally outrageous. <laughs> but it's also weird that he got into – how did he get into bobsledding? Um, I don't think he was a very good skier. Uh, so he, <laughs> he went in a different direction. Zing. I like that. Okay, yeah. I didn't know that. That's I mean, funny. But, but skiing was skiing was a very new sport then too, right? But it was an Englishman that 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 a good friend of his, Bill Bracken, who created the first parallel turn, how to wow. turn on skis. We're really dating ourselves. So can, I, wait, I, can, let's let's go back to like what kind of skis you skied on because you skied on. I don't want to date you so hard, but my like, first skis, my first skis were wood. Yeah, and they had. Um, Leather they did have well. They had edges. They oh, did they have did. metal edges, which were little pieces screwed in underneath. Okay. Right. And then the leather straps just like wrapped well, around. Well, that was your... that was yeah. That was called long lanyard, and that was about nine feet long. And you wrap that round your and 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 you actually really didn't even have to do up your boots by the time you. would wrap this round and back and forwards <laughs> and whatever. But you could only come out sideways. You couldn't come out forwards. Right. You could only come out off the, off the binding sideways. That's actually why I ended up uh, breaking my leg badly. Yeah. Can you, how did you break? I don't even think we ever talked about this. How did you break uh, your leg? I was leg? practicing for the downhill in Val d'Isere. Yeah. And I had a bad fall on the first part of the practice. Yeah. 
and then the second part of the practice there was a um they didn't prepare the courses the way they prepared them now the the, the last shus was probably about 10 feet wide okay and uh, uh i came down and there was a a compression and i went i fell backwards on the compression yeah and then the the my my skis right 220 meters long and they got caught in the in the wet snow on the side oh and, and there was no way for the um there's the no release no, there's no release so when i stood up my um Ooh! my bone came up to the top of my um boot and then it went at a right angle to my knee and the trainer oh. coach the coach came down and he he said he said oh he said i said i think i broke my leg and he said, oh, you can't you can't leg. and i said well there's i got two knees there's one at the top of the boot and then there's another one coming he said yeah you're right yeah. and that was oh. it but then but then the recovery like or where did you end up getting surgery? Well, that was the big problem. Um, yeah. I had, uh, without going too great a detail, um, I, I ended up with a surgery in uh, France where they said, um, we've got to fight to save your leg and you can't fly. And so um, I actually had my surgeon in England who put everyone back together. He He was ready for me, but I didn't get to speak to him. So he didn't say fly and so yeah. they they did an antiquated operation in um france where they took eight inches of bone out of one leg put it in the other and actually uh they thought i was going to get a stress stress fracture in the other leg but they sort of did an operation that had kind of gone out of style about 40 years before old school and then i very old school and then i lost movement in my left leg and couldn't couldn't, couldn't race again but I had lots of fun skiing again so that was good I know what a ah. but I I also do want to touch on just so like we get a gauge on like where my I say stubborn but it's also self-motivation and passion and drive like when you were training I remember you saying oh I was just like hiking the slalom gates because you liked slalom right yeah and so you we, would just we used to hike in Val d'Isere. We, we got two foot of snow one day yeah. and there was a giant sun. Yeah. And our coach made us, before we raced, and this was an international race, he made us climb up from the bottom, sidestep the whole way up the race track when two feet of fresh snow shrank, shrank it down. I mean, we were so, we were, I mean, it was the fittest I ever was in my life. It was, um, right. it was just amazing how fit we were. Wow. Wow. So do you see like similarities in my snowboard career as your ski career? Well, I, I, th I, th I think I, I see sim similarities in the determination right. that uh, I had and you had. Right. Um, mine just ended when I was 18. Yours went on till you were... Far too old. 34. No, not, not too old. <laughs> 30, not a, no, but you went on to 34. So, I mean, you really, you, you really did it. Yeah. Um, and I, I kind of um, stopped at quite a young age. I know. That's so unfortunate. I wonder where it would have been you. Um, I do want to talk about 
some of the wise words that you did give to me when I was deciding what I wanted to do. Um, not that I, not that I decided at any point what I was going to do, but it was just a path that I was going on. And one of them was, um, I think when maybe when I graduated high school or something around that era, and then also then on, you said, um, school will always be there. Sport won't always be there. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that yeah, that's correct. And I, I really believe in that. Yeah. Um, you know, you were, you were on an upward trend in a sport, uh, a new sport, um, and uh, doing unbelievably well at it. And uh, you could only do that for a number of years mm-hmm. uh, while you can go to college at any time. Mm-hmm. So follow your dreams if you can, uh, as long as you can, uh, and school can always wait. You could always go back to school, but you yeah. could not always go. You could go to school, and then you couldn't get probably wouldn't get back into snowboarding. So yeah, take true. take something as far as you want and as long as you want, and school is always there afterwards if you want. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that. I think I think that that really that obviously really stuck with me because I only did end up going to school when I was injured after the 2014 Winter Olympics. I do want to get an understanding of what it is because I'm not a parent yet um but what it is to watch your child compete at a high level like what was that like for you so exhilarating you know to see you out there it was just um i was the one member of the family between your mother and myself that could actually keep my eyes open yeah um she was did philip watch did philip yes oh yes oh yes oh no philip watched oh no i mean it, it it's 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 just incredibly exciting and moving and uh, emotional to be able to um, watch uh, your child compete at that level. Yeah. And uh, and you know, and each time you went up in the air, you know, your uh, our hearts are down somewhere. I don't know where they were, but your heart's beating like crazy. <laughs> um, so, like, were uh, you nervous? You, were you nervous for me? And look at me, I'm crying. Well, I, I was. I don't know. I was nervous for you. I was just. I just wanted you to um, make it to the bottom and uh, without 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 uh, collapsing somewhere in the way or having a yeah a, 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 a you know. Uh, That's fair. You know, I always I always felt in uh, that in Van- the Vancouver Olympics was such that. It, it was an unfair games because the the first step qualifiers got through first and then you had to re-qualify <laughs> to get in and then you know it was a 10-hour day and, it was a long um, day <laughs> and you know poor people that qualified at the same time as you were kind of exhausted at the end of the day yeah. yet you came out with an extraordinary result i mean you were in uh third place up to the last run right it was, only was on i the last i didn't even day. know that yeah you were you were in third place going into the final run and um you know and uh people, other, others who were you know not not gone through not not have the qualifying managed to beat you at that point in time right but no right. i mean it was so exhilarating and, and just uh, I, I mean it was so exciting especially there i mean the whole crowd i mean you had 
5,000 people at the bottom just all cheering for you. Right. And that's uh, that's a funny story that I didn't know. Like, also, I didn't know I was in third until then. Um, yeah. For the for everyone listening and watching, I ended up sixth at the Vancouver Olympics, yeah. which was my best placing. Um, but I remember Tora Bray coming up to the top um, of the finals gate, like air tent area. And she's like, I love it when you drop in. I was like, what are you talking about? She's like, you, you were like, they only cheer for you. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, no, they yeah. don't. They're cheering for everyone. She's like, no, only you. And I was like, oh, like, I think like at that time I was so focused on what I was doing and I was also tired and I had pancreatitis coming on at yeah. the same time. Like all these things were happening that I wasn't aware. And so, um, to hear that from your perspective, we've never really debriefed on any Olympics. So, yeah, yeah. um, I don't know why we haven't probably cause I would start crying. <laughs> Um, but that was a really long day. That was the first time that they put qualifiers, semi-qualifiers and finals in one day. They've never, they had never done that before at an event. And so honestly, it went from like sun up to nighttime and it was the most beautiful day in Vancouver. And then it was like quite a cold night and especially for everyone in the stands. (laughs) Now, you heard the people cheering. I mean, I can remember when I competed and I'd get to the bottom and they said everyone was cheering for you. I didn't notice it. I was so focused on what I was doing. I just yeah, no. cut out everything. Yeah, no, I didn't hear them. When, yeah. I'm, when I'm in the half pipe yeah. and I know I'm doing it right, I yeah. didn't hear them. Yeah. And then yeah. at the bottom, it was kind of like a, a, a weird amphitheater where like the cheering went up. So I, yes. I could literally have a whispering conversation with someone at the bottom of the half pipe yeah. and yeah. not know that everyone's like losing yeah. it. Yeah. Well, that yeah. was probably the most exciting day of my life. <laughs> okay. Then I have to ask you about Sochi. You didn't know that I had crashed in practice and I yeah. have spoken to friends about it and they're like, we knew that wasn't you competing when we were watching on TV. Did you know? Yes. That. I didn't, sorry, I didn't know you'd crashed. Yeah. Uh, that badly. Um, yeah. And didn't realize that, you know, what, what had happened. Right. And so when you came down the first time after your second hit, I said there's something wrong. Oh. Uh, I knew there was something wrong. Because I wasn't getting and the amplitude. Course, and then you had another fall. I think you fell on that run too. Well, the, the second run I fell again. The second run I fell. Yeah, the first run. And I said, no, there's something wrong. She's just, you know, because you, you weren't getting your amplitude or whatever. Yeah. There was something yeah. obviously not, not right. No, I wasn't. I wasn't going as big but, as I, I could have. But, but they didn't tell us about that. They <clears> didn't say at that point in time yeah. that you had a fall. Yeah. And then what <laughs> – this is a hard question to ask your parents, but what when you saw my actual the the second crash where yes. I was like kind of dragging down the half pipe and I couldn't get up by myself, what was going on in your head? Well, kind of wanted to see you move. Yeah. Um, um, and I can't remember if then they said that you'd had a crash in in practice. Okay. I can't. Anyway. Um, we, we were sort of glad to see that you hadn't broken anything, but right. obviously we hadn't realized um, the severity. How, how, how you'd hit your head. I mean, that's something we... Well, I didn't even know that. <laughs> well, no. And I mean, we <laughs> didn't know that even when you came back. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 
crazy. Um, if you had any advice for parents that would like to give a good life to their kids, like you did for me and everyone in our family, what what would you say? Gosh, that's a tough one. Um, you did talk about I would, opportunities I would, before. Yeah, I, that's exactly that was the word I was going to use. I mean, mm -hmm. I just think that uh, watch your children, and if if they have a, 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 a they show that they want to do something, try and do everything you can to let them do that and follow mm -hmm. um, follow their dreams, um, because. Uh, it, 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 if it's work or sport, um, sport brings lots of things to people and, uh, mm -hmm. and, and gives, opens up all sorts of different doors to opportunity which um, uh, weren't there uh, when I was doing sport to, yeah. to, to, to many degrees. I mean, sport was something that cost a lot of money, but you, didn't ever, you could never get any money out of it. Right. Um, whereas nowadays, if you're good at a sport and you get sponsors, you can you can afford to hang in there and be in that sport for a period of time, and then um, give back to that sport the way that you give back to it at the moment. Oh, so, you. Um, uh, you know, I think that uh, maybe I'm biased, but I think that you are a great um, um, image for people to see what can happen in sport and continue on it and, and, and um, give back. Thank you. We didn't actually even touch on funding or anything like that um, because I had Dylan Moscovich's mom, and he's a figure skater, uh, talk about how expensive it was. And they had multiple kids in their family, and Dylan became an Olympic medalist. And she was just talking that like a year it was like a million dollars. Um and I appreciate your kind words, Dad. I really do. Um, but we never even talked about funding. And, and you were always so oh. kind. You were always so kind and always offered funding to help me if I needed a coach or something. And I was so obstinate <laughs> that I wanted were, to do it all by myself. Well, and you, and you did. And you and it's quite extraordinary uh, um, because you came to me when you were 18 or I think it was 18. Might have even been 60. 16, you, yeah, when I got my first big check. Yeah, and you gave me some money, and you said, this, I said, what's that for? And you said, I want to stay in this sport, and I'm going to do it myself. <laughs> and you were terribly obstinate about it. You wouldn't take a penny from us from there on out. You looked after yourself. You ran it as a, as a, as a, as a business. And I have no idea how you kept your head above water, but I have so <laughs> much respect for you and the way you went about it. In an obstinate manner, I agree. Yeah. Um, and uh, it was just extraordinary to watch on the sidelines. You have no idea <laughs> how proud I am of you and your accomplishments. I'm crying over here for those that are just listening. I am fine. Thank you. I appreciate <sighs> it. And uh, I think it wasn't until the 2014 Olympics that that's when I decided I had to ask for help. Yeah, well. And but, not financially by any means. I was still yeah. like obstinate about that. But like learning to be okay with asking for help is so important. So important. Yeah. So thanks, Papa. You're very, very welcome. And uh, thank you for being gentle with me. <laughs>
<laughs> I'm just going to have you have to have you back on. Um, thank you so much for dropping in with us today. I mean, if I was to take anything away from our conversation is that just um, having the opportunity to do all the sports that I was able to do when I was little because I did want to try everything. And I don't know why I wanted to try everything, but I did. Um, I've tried swimming. I tried running. Everyone knows I'm not a good runner. Um, you just find out what you like, what you don't like. Um, but again, that opportunity, and there are so many great programs like Kids Sport throughout Canada that allow access to programming nowadays. So I do ask you if you're a mother or a father or a kid listening, um, don't worry. It's it's You can find grants to, to try sports um, if that's something that you're really interested in. So as I have tears rolling down my cheeks, thanks, Papa. I love you. (laughs) And thank you for dropping in today. so much for dropping in today. You can find everything you want to know about dropping in with Mercedes at droppinginwithmercedes.com. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. Thanks DJ Kenosis for the music and my mom for the intro voice. What happens when we play outside? We become healthier, both mentally and physically. We become more creative and more focused. We connect with nature, each other, and ourselves. Let's Take This Outside, a new podcast hosted by me, Marianne Iveson, an aspiring outdoor athlete and nature lover. I speak to athletes, outdoor professionals, and scientists about their connection to nature, how it affects their performance and everyday life. Let's Take This Outside, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and at letstakethisoutside.ca. Hi, this is Candace Sampson, the voice behind What She Said. My show is your destination for stories that not only entertain, but also educate and empower. Every week, I spotlight strong female voices from across Canada, women who are changing the narrative and driving change. Don't miss out on these inspiring episodes. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and Amazon Music, or head over to whatshesaidtalk.com. What She Said can also be heard on blasttheradio.com, Mondays at 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. That's blasttheradio.com. It's time to dive into the stories that truly matter.